welcome to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, look to the future, and profit today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. Today, there is only one topic on everybody's mind, the coronavirus, COVID-19, the economic meltdown, the prospects of a long-term recession, where are we going? We are at the same time, we are uh, uh, sitting around on our hands waiting for something to happen. We're also uh, scrambling, trying to figure out where the future could take us, what we could do. It is a time of great uncertainty where a lot of us are hearing that smart companies are taking action and and uh, uh, planning for the future, but we don't really know what that means. I want to help with some insight and, and, and help people think about what exactly they could do from a sales, marketing, and brand perspective to prepare themselves to slingshot out of this global slowdown, meltdown, recession, whatever you want to call it. I want to bring an expert on to talk to me about this today. So I want to welcome uh, Karen Hayward. You are the managing partner of Chief Outsiders. And Chief Outsiders is super senior marketing talent for hire on a short-term basis to help companies figure out what their vision should be. I can't imagine anybody more relevant to talk to right now. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Karen, uh, yes. talk to me Talk to me a little bit about your background and how you got here. You're, you are a super senior CMO in your own right. Well, thank you. Um, I spent uh, 20 years going from sales rep to sales trainer to uh, vice president of marketing at Xerox Canada mm -hmm. and got to the top of that house and said, geez, what's next? And got recruited to Silicon Valley and worked for a few companies in Silicon Valley. I was lucky enough to um, have a few uh, that, that, that were bought by other companies and looked up and said, wow, what's next? And decided that it was really time to take what I had learned through the big company and the smaller companies and make it, um, right-size it for mid-market companies and take those best practices forward. So I joined Chief Outsiders. Mm -hmm. And I got the description right. I mean, Chief Outsiders, you are super senior marketing officers that go into companies usually on a short-term basis, four to six months, help them figure out their vision and their strategy. I can't imagine anything more re relevant today. You are having a lot of conversations with CEOs right now. We are. Uh, we are um, operators. We go oh. in and we actually run the marketing function while we build a growth plan for the business. So we are always talking to CEOs about growth challenges and helping them figure out how to optimize within, within constraints. And actually just even starting the conversation about how you think differently about growing your business versus running your business. Talk to me about that. Well, if you think about it, running your business is optimizing inside the four walls. Mm -hmm. You're executing over and over and over looking for efficiencies. So if you use a bicycle metaphor, we're just pedaling the bicycle faster and faster and faster and faster. When you think about growing your company, you must align to the outside forces, mm -hmm. the economic forces, the regulatory forces, 
the compliance forces, the um, labor pool. You have to really look outside the window, try and anticipate what's coming at you, the technologies that are coming at you. Uh, and in light of those, you know, you need to have them inform what your plan of attack is going to be. For example, right now, if you are selling to hospitality, it is a pretty dire time. Mm -hmm. You know, they are getting especially hard hit. So, you know, are there opportunities to look at other industries that might make sense for your product or service that you can quickly pivot to and have a long-term sustained go-to-market plan for? Just as, now that, as an example. Sorry, I'm a chronic interrupter. Uh, we talked about this uh, a little while ago and the whole idea, you actually have clients who are in hospitality. And we talked about the idea that the Lego blocks are kind of all there, right? I mean, if I, if I look at Louis Vuitton or Burberry, they just pivoted and they start making, uh, they start making surgeon's robes, you know, and they can, they can pivot on a dime. Uh, you've, got, you've got companies that have all the Lego blocks in place What's needed is agility. And this brings me back to the whole idea of the outsider. You have a talent because you're outside the jar. Once you're inside the jar, I worked for an interim for a while. They said, once you're inside the company jar for six months, the world looks normal to you, but you can't see the world from the customer perspective anymore because you're so inside. You can figure out a million reasons why you can't do something or you always have to do something. It takes an outsider, short, sharp burst to go, why not? You know, why can't we go from hospitality into medical supplies or, you know, rocket parts or something, you know, but that you do need an outside perspective for that. I, I think that's true. And I think, you know, lots of companies, um, lots of CEOs will share their value proposition with us mm -hmm. and then we'll say, okay, well, we really need to go validate that. And I'll, I'll give you one quick example. Um, we were working with a glass company and the CEO said, no, the, our quality of glass is better than anybody's. And we said, great. So we talked to employees, we talked to their best clients, we talked to customers who they lost. Um, and what we found out, it wasn't glass at all. They had an unbelievable delivery system that their glass arrived on time every time. And that was why customers loved them and kept working with them. So can you imagine now you've got a whole outbound messaging about the quality of our glass that those are table stakes. Nobody mm -hmm. cares about that. Mm -hmm. You know, and you think about today, all the companies that say, well, why are you special? Oh, our people. Well, every company has people. Well, it's our customer service. Well, so what? Everybody has good customers. Those are all table stakes. So figuring out what's truly unique and what your core competence is has never been more important if you want to create a message that's going to resonate more quickly and more deeply in the marketplace. You know, it's funny. I, this happens to everybody, big and small. I, I always use the example of myself. When I went on my own as a consultant, uh, I created this thing called Future Proof Brands. I thought, you know, sustainability, design, marketing, all this stuff all put together is going to future-proof your brand. And in three years of pushing this thing, I got the grand total of zero people coming to me asking for a future-proof brand. So I went to my CEO of my former ad agency. I said, John, why do people keep, why did they used to keep giving us a million dollars to work for me, work with me rather, and have me come up with their stuff? He goes, ah, oh, it's easy because you're simple. And I said, what? 
like Forrest Gump? And he, he goes, no, 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 no. He said, the world is really complicated and you have a talent for making it simpler. And I didn't think that was a thing. And I, quite frankly, I was insulted because I thought that is the biggest non-starter of all. But I put it out there and it is what people wanted. They want, they, their lives are too complicated and they just want somebody to create simplicity, clarity and, and charm. You know, and I'm like, I didn't know you could make money doing that. It, I had a client, um, he runs a, a, a digital agency and uh, he thought he was getting business because he's really clever in digital and it turns out that he's a little older and his clients just wanted somebody with gray hair to talk to. Hmm. <laughs> and he, he didn't believe it. It's true. You know, and, but we need, we need somebody to look at us from the outside. And you know, one of the, there, so there are two things that are, that are really great to do. One is, you know, everyone thinks about a SWOT analysis, you do it and then you put it in a drawer and mm -hmm. you don't do anything with it. So if you really look at your strengths, your weaknesses, your market opportunities and your market threats, you can develop some really good marketing strategies from that. Mm -hmm. uh, I did work with a uh, online um, pet pharmacy and uh, I thought they weren't being aggressive enough uh, relative to their key competitors. Mm -hmm. So we did a competitive SWAT. We said, okay, let's be that other company. Let's be our number one company and let's try to kill our company. Us. And try to kill us. And it was unbelievable. At the end of that session, the CEO said, we need to get way more aggressive. We're going to, we're so vulnerable here. Let's fix that. And so just getting those, getting pushed into areas where maybe you're less comfortable. Um, I think outsiders are able to ask tougher questions because we're not there for a long time to be your best friend. Mm -hmm. We're there to make a difference really fast and do it based on data and insights. And so getting those really good insights by doing things like win-loss analysis. Why are we winning? Why are we losing? getting the value proposition spot on to your point, figuring out that no simple is what people want. Mm -hmm. They don't want future proof, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever, you know? So, um, and it, it's not that hard to do, but people are so caught up running their businesses. They don't have time to work on the business. And I think now for those companies that, are looking to figure out how they're going to, to use your word, slingshot out of this, mm -hmm. there will be a recovery. Mm -hmm. And, right? and you're, now's the time when you're positioning yourself. Now's the time when you're doing the, the introspection. What exactly should I be? Should I be future-proof or should I be simple? You know, um, Talk to me about your book, um, you know, uh, Random Acts of Marketing. Uh, you know, the, I think this is especially relevant right now. By the way, it, you brought it out December 3rd. It's a bestseller on a few Amazon lists, so it's doing well, called Stop Random Acts of Marketing by Karen Hayward. Um, and I, I want to talk about random acts of marketing that you see right now as you talk to CEOs in this time of flux and insecurity. What are, what are they doing? That, that, this is, random acts of marketing is basically a, 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 a collation of all the stuff that you've seen people screwing up over the past 20 years, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think uh, number one, you know, slash and burn. Now in some cases that's important, mm -hmm. but in some cases I think, um, you know, maybe more analytics to drive a refined program uh, 
versus slash and burn. Uh, there are some market opportunities that I think could warrant some, you know, diversion of investment. You know, and, and, and then I also say that there, there are companies out there that are just trying to keep the lights on or the lights off and be mm -hmm. able to turn them on later. So I don't want to sound too, too trite. Mm -hmm. it, it, this is a tough, tough, tough time. Um, but, you know, random acts of marketing is, is, is mostly what goes on in the marketplace. It's we're going to try this, we're going to try that, we're going to try this salesperson comes in and says, hey, let's go to this trade show and convinces the CEO to go to that trade show and, and then they don't track it properly and it's not systematically messaged and, and, and then the results aren't there and then marketing gets a bad rap and marketing isn't measurable. Well, the reality is really good marketing is super measurable. Uh, I can tell you, for example, at Sheep Outsiders, we are very disciplined marketers in our own organization and we don't do anything if there isn't a three to one return and that's based on our business model so if we're going to make an investment in something it has to deliver that one of the big opportunities i think now in in this sort of crazy crazy period is um you know get some ducks lined up get your messaging right mm -hmm. connect with your customers connect with your employees Make sure they're engaged and, and employees and customers are all part of the, the places you want to mine for those good market insights. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I think it's, there, there's an organization out of Boston called ITR Economics mm -hmm. and they're incredible predictors and they have incredible webinars right now that talk about um, how the, the growth of the economy and when it's going to take place. And so there are companies out there that, that you know, are following these uh, predictions and figuring out how the economy is going to accelerate, when it's going to accelerate, and how to best be positioned uh, around that. And I think a lot of that will come, certainly for the B2B companies, not by adding feet on the street. Uh, I think it will come by better marketing and better lead generation, creating that systematic engine to grow the business. You and I talked about this. You just touched on a point there, putting feet on the street. Uh, yeah. We talked about the misalignment between 20th century thinking and 21st century thinking. A lot of us uh, figure out, figured that, you know, sales, we have to put a lot more salespeople out there to grow our company. You and I also talked about, you know, the funnel of, of moving somebody from a non-interested person to a sale and how marketing today is playing a much greater role. And I talked about my experience, you know, with SaaS companies where they say, you know, focus on the customer and just surround the customer with sales and service and research, sales, service, research. It's a very different paradigm than most companies, especially larger companies, are used to. Talk to me about that. Well, if you, if you think about the, the paradigm, let, let's just go back to buying a car. The first uh -huh. car you bought, you walked into a dealership, right? All sales. <laughs> and you met that sales guy mm -hmm. or gal, and they had all the power in that relationship, right? Mm -hmm. You didn't have access to a lot of information. Well, when I pull a room of CEOs and I say, okay, who just bought a car? Uh, someone raises their hand and, and I say, well, how'd you buy it? And they say, well, I bought it online. Never spoke to a salesperson. Well, how'd you do your, 
how'd you figure out the model? Well, I did a lot of research. What else did you do? What, where'd you do your research? I did on the internet. I looked at reviews. You know, maybe I did a test drive. So that phenomenon is going on in each of our businesses, mm -hmm. right? So people are doing all their research online and going way deeper in their buying process, which we call the buyer's journey, in that journey than ever before. So what are the implications? Well, you better have a fabulous digital footprint, right? You better have your messaging out there. You better be describing through blogs and, and content and material the big 10 objections that you, you need to handle because the reality is your salespeople have a much shorter time frame mm -hmm. within which to, to build a relationship and close that deal. So your relationship with your prospects is started online mm -hmm. and continues all the way through that consideration phase. So when I talk to a CEO about their business and I say, tell me about your company, tell me why you win in the marketplace, what do your customers love about you? And I hear something completely different from what I see on their website. There's a 9-11, there's a 9 fire drill that goes off in my mind. Mm -hmm. You know, think about the opportunities they're missing. And, and so now when, when things, you know, when we're not fulfilling a gajillion orders and we're not, um, you know, feeling, you know, feeling in that mm -hmm. state of. When we're not scrambling just to take all the orders, well, right. we've got a little bit of time and it, there's a pause. Yeah. And, and so now's the time that, that you can start to think about, well, how do I think about retooling my messaging and refocusing my company to where the opportunity is going to be. If you think about Wayne Gretzky, what did he always say? He said, yeah. skate to where the puck, is, where gonna the puck be. is going to be. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think right there, if we took nothing else out of this interview, uh, companies that are sitting on their hands right now going, Oh boy, what are we going to do? How are we going to get ready? How are we going to slingshot? Start there. Talk to a couple of people, find out what exactly they like about you, what they think you're great at, and then start taking a look at the message that you're sending out there and how many places they're going for that message. And are you there and are you consistent and are you reinforcing what they want to hear from you to make that sale? Now's the time to do that. Yeah. And to think about what are the vertical markets that are going to grow when, when we stabilize. Mm-hmm. They're not all going to grow the same. So if you can take your product and do a little pivot to a new vertical with really crisp vertical messaging and, and a little go-to-market plan, and these things don't have to be complicated. Well, it's also, I mean, we're, we live in a world right now where you can try stuff a lot easier than we used to. Right. You know, you can, you can basically invent stuff, see if somebody wants to buy it before you even, before you even make it. You know, you can try all these things out. You can get some data on it. It's not that hard. And you and I talked about this before, but it doesn't mean you have to go away. If you're in hospitality, it doesn't mean you have to go away from hospitality in the future. It just means you've got another source of revenue, which is healthcare. Happy day. You know, so you can, you can keep trying stuff out. Now's the time to do it because, you know, you're, you've, you're not rushing just to fill orders and scrambling just to stay in place. That's right. So talk to me a little bit about the mood that you're seeing right now. You spend your day talking to CEOs of mid-cap companies. I what do. are you hearing? What are you seeing? 
you know, I think there's sort of two zones of companies, two sort of different groups. And I don't know that there's really anyone in the middle. Mm -hmm. there's, there's organizations that feel they're going to get through it. They know they're going to get through it. They've got good cash reserves. They are, you know, well-funded. They've taken the crisis. They've, they've got good plans. And those are the ones that I think can focus on the future. There are, there are other companies that are really just in dire straits, mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure out how, how are we going to position ourselves. And so, you know, some of the retailers, I think, are especially hardly hit. Um, you know, I have a, a really good friend who uh, has 12 retail stores in Canada, and they had to close their stores. Mm -hmm. Well, their rent still do. Yeah. Um, and so there's, a, there's a, a scramble right now to figure out uh, cash flow, banking relationships, crisis communications, client communications. Uh, how do I take care of my employees? So, so there's all of that kind of crisis going on. At some point, that will settle a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think... Um, you know, they might be able to catch their breath and, and think, about, think about the future going forward. Um, I don't know if everything's ever going to return to quote unquote normal. Well, there's probably going to be a pivot and it's going to be, a, there's going to be a new reality. And so the normal will just be a different normal. So for example, you know, I, I'm quite enjoying not having a lot of traffic on the road when I go ride my bike and not having to fill my tank all the time. And I'm finding that, you know, with hanging out with my family, we cook a lot more and uh, we hang out a lot more and it's not a, this crazy drive to get the kids to all the different sports and you know just a mad rush just to stay in place we're kind of liking it and you wonder put that in a business setting do i have to get on an airplane to go to this regional meeting well i'm not now turns out we're doing just fine with zoom you know you know, the, the interesting thing, I heard this fabulous quote uh, earlier this week, and it was uh, from a colleague of mine who said, you know, you thought you were doing well in digital marketing before. You're going to have to double down mm -hmm. and develop your digital marketing to a level you haven't even thought you needed to be at for mm -hmm. your business because of what you just said consumer behavior is going to be changed. It, it, it's basically like, like businesses. It's kind of shaken us off our moorings going, I have to get on that plane. No, I don't, you know? And, and so we're opening up a little bit to the uncomfortable newness of digital and going, Oh, I have to, you know, dress from the neck down at least, even not from the waist down, but yeah. you know, and people are going, well, I guess it's, it's okay. And it, it gives me a little more time. I don't have to sit in the car, but you know, it, it, this is, so it's going to be a new reality. Um, I want to, I want this, this is a huge thing outside perspective, retooling digital, taking a look uh, at, at what exactly people are wanting from you and checking at every level of marketing that you're delivering that uh, perhaps pivoting into something, knowing that maybe it won't be the thing, but it will be a very good thing in the future. So that's already a heap of good advice. You know, I wanted to finish off when you and I initially met, you said, I want to talk about sales and marketing. 
and I'm fascinated by sales and marketing because in my own experience as a marketer, I'm used to putting messages out there, but I know that you also have to go out and pull people in. And we hit on something that was really interesting, developing executive level relationships between executives in your company and executives at your client companies. And we're not talking about the CEO here. It doesn't have to be your CEO. It can be your CFO, your head of HR. Talk to me about that. That sounds like such a brilliant, unexploited idea. Well, you know, I, I like things that are free. And this really doesn't cost any money. And, and it's really about a couple of things. Taking best practices from global Fortune 500 companies, mm -hmm. these companies have what they call focus executive programs. And it's where each leadership team member gets assigned an account and your job with that account is to deepen and widen the account relationships to get the salespeople out of procurement, right? Uh, and to develop the business acumen of your salespeople and almost most importantly, protect yourself against sales turnover. Because if you allow one salesperson to be the dominant relationship in one of your most critical accounts and they leave, that's just a formula for an mm -hmm. RFP to come out your way. So what these companies do and what I've done in every company since Xerox, at Xerox and since Xerox is we all own one or two accounts and we have a quarterly meeting and we start out with the CEO of that account and we ask the following questions like, how are you doing? How is your business evolving? How could we be better partners for you? And how could we serve you better? So I call it a listening tour. And you know, you will be able to provide some insight based on your knowledge of the industry. And, and then at the end of that conversation, you'll, you'll be equipped with, well, here's what we love about you, or here's what I hear about you. You know, we, we, we'd love, we're, we're gonna expand, and we're gonna need better reporting. And so you deepen the relationship. And, and, and you get insight that you can bring back to the table. So I'll give you a funny example. So when we did our, uh, when we did it at one of the companies, the CFO went out and made a call and um, he got an earful about our billing system, which the sales folks had been complaining about forever, but it never was a priority. Well, he knew he had to go back to that account the following quarter. What do you think got fixed? <laughs> it's funny how that works. Right? So the salespeople can only bubble up so much and eventually they say, you know what, that's beyond my snack bracket. Mm -hmm. That's for the execs to figure out. But this is a great way to figure out how to better serve your customers. And then, you know, I, I was sharing the other example of um, uh, one of my focus executive accounts. I was on the way to the gym on a Saturday morning at seven o'clock. My phone rang. It was my CEO from my focus account. <coughs> and he said, I got a really urgent problem. I said, what do you need? He told me, I mobilized our team in the background. We got it fixed. And um, now if you think about how open would that CEO be to his IT director coming in and say, hey, we could, we could save 10% by going with this other company. No way. Not going to happen, right? Yeah. So you deepen these relationships one person at a time. And everybody has an executive team that has some business acumen. Have your HR person go out and talk to their HR person. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that conversation, they'll know each other's companies better. 
The HRVP brings that information back to your leadership team with insights about what's going on in their business and how you could serve them better. So it's a long-term strategy about deepening, widening, and protecting your revenue and finding new revenue sources. Now, if you think about that, I mean, that makes sense at any time, but the horror stories we hear about people being let go, people changing, oh. people being turfed. If your CEO and their CEO are the only points of contact, the only glue holding the companies together, that is super tenuous. CEOs have a, have a, have a lifespan of 18 months, something like that. Uh, holy recipe for disaster. But if you've got, if you've got your hooks into them at five different levels, you know, it, it just makes so much sense. And like you said, it's free in these times it's where everybody's free. watching their cash. What does it cost to pick up the phone with three people? Even if you're a consultant, say, or a small company or a founder to pick up the phone with three people inside their company or their organization and, and touch base, you've got, suddenly you've got, a, you've got a tripod of support over there, a tripod of people who know you. If one starts whispering about you, the other two will go, no, shut up. Let's keep going. You know? Yeah, and you know, communications in times of crisis has never been more important, right? Mm -hmm. Like communicating with your employees. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's one process that I've used in several companies. We call it a 333. And you ask, what are three strengths of the company, three, um, three weaknesses, and three things you would do if you're CEO? Again, it's free. You're going to get a bunch of input, and mm -hmm. some, of the, some of that input's going to be gold. You know, that's, I think you bring up a point, though, again and again and again, as an outsider, as a person with an outside perspective, as someone who advocates people taking this time of, you know, we're kind of idling, we're in neutral, we're wondering what's going to happen, take the time to get feedback. Uh, not everybody likes the feedback. You must yeah. find that a lot. And I mean, you're in a, you're in a unique position. You're super senior. Uh, and, and you're being brought in specifically as an outsider to find stuff. But I think a lot of people, especially smaller companies with founders in place, um, it's hard too to get that feedback, to find out that what you think everybody is buying, nobody is buying. That's table stakes. Are you finding that companies are opening up more to that kind of advice now that it's kind of the start of a new reality? Or are there still people going, oh, I don't want to hear that? Well, I think if you're a founder, mm -hmm. I think it's sometimes harder to let go. And so how you handle change management becomes critically important. And don't forget, you know, a lot of really good marketing starts by saying, what are we really strong at? And how can we take our strengths and leverage them into, um, into um, sales strategies? Mm -hmm. So for example, we worked with a mid-market company and their strengths were engineers. Well, we built an innovation program for them so that they could take their engineers and every quarter go out to their largest opportunity account and deepen those engineer to engineer relationships, which got us out of procurement and the price grind. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of ways you can take your strengths and tweak them, um, you know, but change is hard and, yeah. and, and making sure you're placing the right bets. Mm -hmm. You know, which is why getting the data and the market insight. So marrying the data and, and the customer perspective and the market opportunity and, and your ability to win in, in certain segments becomes, you know, so foundational. You hit on two themes all the time. You talk about procurement and relationships. 
Do you think coming out of this, a time where we're sitting back going, holy smokes, you know, dollars and cents have gotten us, it just blew up in our face. Are people, do you think, going to turn more towards relationships or are they going to go and say, you know what, it's all about the dollars and cents. We got to survive here. Or is that a stupid question? You know, I think if you're in a B2B space, this is all about relationships. And I'll give you, I'll share a personal example. Um, Vistage and Tech Canada uh, are, are really significant relationships. I'm, I'm a speaker at both and uh, a lot of our business comes from these Vistage and Tech companies. Now, Vistage and Tech, just for folks who don't know, it's an executive forum where they have a facilitator and they gather a circle of uh, CEOs or, or lower level executives and they basically can vent and get yeah, advice Yeah, they help from each, each other. Because it's lonely at the top. It's a CEO peer advisory group mm. led by a, a very accomplished executive chair. And so uh, these chairs are really good relationships and they develop into friendships. And so the other day I spent an hour helping a chair figure out how to have his meeting on Zoom. Do you think he's going to forget that? No. And he's been so good to me that it was my pleasure to do that for him. You know, and I, so I think there are moments of, of goodness that are, that'll come from this where, where people do go the extra mile and, and do figure out how to help each other. Because at the end of the day, and everybody says it on the news 24 seven, we're all in this together. And I, think that, we- I think you just hit on it. I think that if there's a new reality that comes out of this, I think that, I, I hope, I hope and I pray that it's going to be at least a little bit more about we're all in this together relationships do matter they think do. about the other person and not just about how you're going to screw them over or uh, and you know the, the p word procurement and uh, you, you know if you help people you know i always work out of a world of abundance yeah you know and if you help people the universe is good back to you so give 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 yeah i like that I like that. So folks, I, I want to, I, I'm going to, I'm going to close us down here. I'm, but I'm going to reinforce again that uh, your book, Stop Random Acts of Marketing. Now there's another book that Chief Outsiders wrote all together. Tell us about that book. That book is called The Growth Gears and it's written to a CEO of a mid-market company who wants to grow their business. And it really is the formula that starts out with how do you get market insights? How do you develop a strategy? And then how do you execute a plan? And so it's everything from how do you develop ROI? And it's, and it's simply written. You can mm-hmm. follow it. Um, and so it's a market-based framework for growing companies written by Art Saxby and Pete Hayes, our two principals in our company. Mm-hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link both of those uh, in the show notes to this. So that folks can run out and get those books because I think they're both important, especially yeah. right now where we're and, at a moment of, of flux. And, you know, in the spirit of give, 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 if anyone calls me, I will, I will hook you up with one of our CMOs for a one-hour consult on your business. How about that? Well, I'm going to get on the phone and you can give me that. <laughs> okay. Just what I need. Just what I need. I'm a consultant who has a, a, a CMO of Xerox working on my case. I'm, I'm feeling pretty special. <laughs> Karen, thank you so much for taking this time. I think you've done a great public service, speaking of karma. Uh, Hopefully we can get this out to as many people as possible who are worried and tense about what's going on. 
and give them something concrete to do so they can get some momentum as opposed to just saying, I've got to come out of this. I've got to come out of this. Thanks again. Thank you very much. A pleasure. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the show about brands that learn from the past, look to the future, and profit today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. If you'd like to talk about brands, drop me a line. I'd love to hear your ideas. So that wasn't hard, was it? No. That was fun. I think you've, you've just done a great public service there. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. I'm passionate about the topic. So, yeah. you know, yeah. there, there was tons of things we didn't even cover. We could go on and on and on.